Hello, I'm Scott Soshnick. I'm Evan Novi Williams. And I'm Michael Barr. And this is the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast. We explore the big money issues in the world of sports. Today, we begin with the New York Post reporting that Silver Lake Partners is considering buying a major stake in the New York Knicks and Rangers. You didn't even welcome Evan back. Hi, I, I, Evan. I mean, it's good to be back, guys. Seriously. <laughs> You I'm sorry, man. Right to business. The, the, our listeners miss Evan Novi Williams. Hi, Evan. You, you ever Hi. heard those where we get all feedback and it's like, you know, Bar, you're an idiot. Sashnik, shut up. You're, all, you're <laughs> talking over people, and Evan is the only reason this show exists. Uh, the, the, that is true, yeah, man. I mean, that's, that's the feedback we get. So I just figured we ought to recognize that Evan has returned. How was the Pacific Northwest? Uh, it was good. Yeah, very nice up there. The the leaves are changing color, which you know, if you live in New York City, you don't get to see uh, on a daily basis. Yeah. No complaints at all. All right. Well, you were hanging out at Nike and all that. And yeah, all I good. Saw, saw the folks at Nike. Saw the folks at uh, Adidas. Uh, Portland is the U.S. hub for yeah. for sneakers. It's uh, kind of pervasive in in the city there. But it was a fun trip. You'll all hear right. more about it in the future. All right. So, Bar. Yeah. Well, we're going to talk Under Armour in a little bit. So, yeah, get it ready. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So it looks like um, Silver Lake Partners, which, as you know, already has about ten percent ten percent stake in MSG. Right. Looks like Silver Lake wants to buy more of the Knicks and Rangers prior. This is the important piece here. There those incoming to MSG. This wasn't MSG saying, hey, we're putting up for sale. This was Silver Lake and others, I'm told, looking to acquire uh, a, a greater stake of the Knicks and Rangers and also involved, by the way, the eSports team, the minor league team, you know, all that, um, prior to the spinoff. They, so they don't want the entertainment assets like Radio City, the town nightclub, all that other stuff. That's going to be a separate part of the company. But if you do it after the spinoff, you got to take the whole shebang. So they're looking to acquire a greater stake in the teams now pre-spinoff. Yeah, let's remind listeners: Madison Square Garden Company, the team that own the the company that owns the the Knicks and the Rangers, at one point a number of years ago was a was a massive company of. Television networks of entertainment venues of teams of arenas. Uh, in 2015, they spun off the networks to make that kind of a separate entity, and they announced last year uh, that at some point, either before the end of this year or early in 2020, and it seems like it's going to be on the later end of that of that time frame, they announced that they were also then going to spin off the sports team assets. And as Scott said, that's the Knicks, that's the Rangers, that's the Westchester Knicks, the the D League team, Counter Logic Gaming, an esports team. Um, is the is the Garden the training facility? The Garden is not. The garden is that. not no, including that. Not so, included. so the garden stays with the entertainment part of the company, which the Beacon, right, Radio right. Yeah, City, yeah, yeah, Music yeah. Hall, Town Nightclubs, and a, and a number and of other And these investors venues, don't want that. And if they wait till after the spinoff, that's probably all included. Sure. Yeah, so they don't want that. And, you know, Dolan needs the money. I shouldn't say needs. Wants the money. <laughs> will utilize the money. Um, he's got this project out in Vegas, the spheres, these entertainment orbs, I guess we can we call them. Right. That's where the money goes. And, and from what I understand here, the, the announcement of the spinoff, they were going to spin off two-thirds yeah. of the Knicks, Rangers, and, and yeah. the rest of the sports assets. The the Dolan, MSG, was going to keep that final third. Yeah. And the thought here is that Silver Lake is looking at buying a chunk of that third that MSG yeah. is keeping, correct? Yeah. So this doesn't affect the spinoff right. in any way. That, no, no. That, those two-thirds are still going to be spun off at some point early 2020. This, this does two things. One, it will enable MSG to get a a real market valuation on the clubs. Mm. Right. Ain't no, no discounts on the Knicks and Rangers, my, my guess. <laughs> oh, they're not cheap? Yeah, and, and then two... There's been these rumblings of Jimmy Dolan selling the teams. He's always said no, but it is publicly traded. You know, so he'll have to see if our investors, we, we've heard all that. But this certainly puts Silver Lake with, with, a, with a, an increased share if they get it done. 
should these things ever be sold? And my God, the Nixon Rangers on the open market. Well, well, let's, talk a, let's talk a bit about, about valuation. Obviously, the Knicks are, are much more valuable than the Rangers. Forbes has the but Knicks. Both, but both number one in their respective Sure. Leagues. Forbes has the Knicks at about $4 billion. I think the Rangers are around 1.5 around or so, yeah, something, something like that. Yeah. Um, we've talked a lot on this show recently about minority stake sales. Oftentimes, you don't get the full valuation as part of just a minor one. Obviously, the path to potentially owning these things in the future, should Dolan want to sell, seems like a, a pretty valuable uh, head start to have. What do we think valuation is uh, when these things come together? I say greater than the Forbes numbers combined. Interesting. Well, let me ask a question to you guys, <laughs> and it, it, this shows you something. The Knicks, they're still looking for their second win, but the Knicks, <laughs> they are a very valuable franchise simply because of the two words, New York, and it's the same for the Rangers. Anything coming out of New York, there's a lot of value out of that. We'll call it beachfront property, which the Clippers literally were. <laughs> I mean, I know they're not on the beach, but um, closer than we are here. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you're talking global brand, um, a, a an avid fan base, and when you're tight, uh, the ability to to monetize locally, and of course, you're buying into your partner in the bigger league, and the NBA. Obviously, uh, most watchers seem to think. Uh, is on an upward swing. Another thing we talk about a bit is is the tremendous value, the synergy value of owning both the arena and the, the franchise that, and the they, network. that plays there. And the yeah. network, yeah. sure. Um, this would be a situation where you know we're now separating those two things. Does that yeah. hurt valuation at all? If, if, if you can look in the future and own the Knicks but not own Madison Square Garden? <laughs> Good question. I, I, I'd have to dig deeper into the relationship of where the money comes from. Uh, you would the Holy Trinity had always been, as you said, team, venue, and network. Maybe that's not the case anymore. Mm. And, um, and real quick on Silver Lake, kind of amassing a, a pretty decent sports yeah. portfolio here, right? Yeah. They're a, a big investor in, in Endeavor, the former William Morris mm-hmm. IMG agency. They have a chunk of fanatics uh, yeah. outside of sports, Alibaba, Tesla. Pretty, pretty nice uh, if they add the Nixon Rangers or a bigger piece in the Nixon Rangers to that list. A pretty nice little portfolio there. Up next, let's talk about Under Armour disclosing a federal probe into its accounting practices. The company denies any wrongdoing and says it is cooperating with investigations by the Justice Department and Securities and Exchange Commission, which have been underway for more than two years. But, oh, my goodness, the stock took a hit. I'll let Eben talk on this one because it probably occupied his entire morning. <laughs> <laughs> it did. Uh, just recently got off the uh, the Under Armour earnings call. Uh, pretty messy weekend for Under Armour, right? Let's start uh, with the earnings. How did they do? The earnings were mixed. You know, the the company has been in a transformation that was once three years and is now five years. They, you know, the, Kevin they, Plank recently said I'm stepping. Kevin aside. Plank recently said he's stepping aside. Patrick Frisk is taking over, who's been the president for a couple years. So kind of an internal, you know, long long plan secession plan there. Uh, the companies, you know, their their sales are down, especially in North America, which is was to be expected this quarter, but is not what you want from a company that you know does 70, 75% of its business domestically. Uh, that, that's not a great look. They are still in this kind of process of writing down inventory, getting rid of a lot of underselling products. Inventory's up, which is good. Gross margins are up, which is good. But but on the whole, I think you know investors are looking at this company right now and wondering kind of exactly where the direction is, especially given there's going to be a new leader and and, and the first leader they've had since Kevin Plank founded the thing back in in the mid 1990s. And two, you know, an SEC probe that you know who knows where that go and how that might affect two things years ago. Forward. 
They've been, this has been going on for two years. Yeah. So Under Armour, you know, acknowledged the probe first reported by the Wall Street Journal said, you know, we've been working with feds for two and a half years. Uh, they're under a different CFO now than they were back then. Uh, I can't remember his name, but the guy who was the CFO of the company back in early 2017 stepped down. Uh, so Under Armour says they've done nothing wrong. They believe their accounting practices uh, have all been on the up and up. Um, and who knows what the time frame is for getting a aren't decision. There, how does it, aren't there standard accounting practices? I think there are, yeah, and 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 Under Armour seems to be thinking that you know we their disclosures them? will be. Yeah, it seems like this investigation is a look at whether Under Armour somehow fudged the numbers to make the company look healthier than it was, kind of quarter by quarter sales numbers. Well, I have to ask. We just had a change at the top here at Under Armour. Yeah, I mean, I I don't want to imply anything, but. Did people know what the heck was going on before this came about? Thank no, it's, you, thank it's, you it's for getting implied in Ferk. Pet peeve of mine. Nothing bothers me more when they say you inferred. No, 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 no. No, that person implied. Oh, you yeah. do the infer. I'm, I'm. Thank you. Thank sir. you for getting that right. It's a good question. And um, when Kevin stepped down a couple weeks ago, you know, the messaging from Under Armour was. Essentially, that you know, we've known this was he was going to step down at some point for a while. In 2017, when we hired Patrick Frist to be the president, the plan all along was that if he did well at the company, he would eventually secede uh, Kevin Plank. But it's a good question to ask now that we know the time frame here. You know, this federal probe also started around 2017 when Patrick Frist came in. Um, so yeah, I think it's it's worth asking whether or not. And Kevin says this was his decision and his decision alone. Um, but it is certainly worth asking whether the fact that this SEC probe, depending on how big big a deal it actually ends up being, uh, whether this contributed in any way to his stepping aside. Uh, Evan, you and I had lunch and a few others here at Bloomberg with Kevin not long ago, and mm. we, we talked about there's people, there's process, and there's products. He's like, I think we have the right people. We finally have our process right. So, man, you got to come up with products people want, right? We're down to the products at this point. Yeah, it's and it's you know Under Armour has you know is, is kind of a newbie into footwear, but they're looking to expand that uh, as much as they can. Uh, one of the big knocks against Under Armour in this whole process, and the reason why they they stopped selling forty percent of the products that they made is that a lot of it was underperforming and and, and wasn't what con- consumers got to make cool stuff. Now, now hold on, Bar. This is normally where you would jump in and introduce the last topic. Yeah. But because it is what it is, I'm mm. going to do it, and mm. you're going to comment first. Right? right? This Love this it. makes sense. I get it. I, I'm do it in your voice. And fine. Finally, we have the word that Indianapolis Motor Speedway and the IndyCar Series have been sold to Penske Entertainment. It's a big deal for the iconic Speedway, which had been owned by the Holman family for 74 years. Mr. Barr, say you what? Now, I'm going to do it in your voice. So, Evan, look! <laughs> no, th- you know what? This, this is uh, an iconic change because uh, I can go on. Anybody that knows racing in Indianapolis, A.J. Foyt, we can go on and on. Bobby Unser, you can name the names. You, uh, My goodness, it's like Bill Vukovic. All of those wins were under the Holman family. And Did you say Pete Vukovic, the pitcher? No, no <laughs> Bill Vukovic. Oh, Bill Vukovic, okay. <laughs> he, uh, I, the, the quick story about this is that Tony Holman, uh, right after World War II, the track was dilapidated. It had been out of service for about four years. And he saw the track. There were weeds all over the place and this and that, whatever. And he said, you know what? I, I've got an idea. To Had bring some vision this place here. Back. He's got a vision. So he 
took all the weeds out, spruced it back up, and they went back racing. And ever since, for 74 years, it has been in the Holman family. Uh, the good news is at least it's going to the Penske. I was going to say, uh, now here's know. a name I know, billionaire Roger Penske. Yes. And I know he's involved in racing. He cares about the sport. He obviously knows about Penske the sport. Entertainment Corporation. You're getting, and you're getting the entertainment assets to right. the production from IndyCar. So let's see. We're always wondering. We always say, what does IndyCar need? What does NASCAR need? I think Roger Penske, of all people, probably knows. So I have, I have a question for you, Michael. The This is a team, one of the more successful IndyCar teams of all time, from what I understand, yes. also buying the series. Am I correct right. in, in kind that of thinking that as like the, the Indi- Yankees the buying series, he's Major buying League series. Baseball? Yes. It does that? How, how do? How does that conflict of interest? Well, kind of this seem is going to be interesting yeah. because uh, now with your team owner and now you own the entire series. Yeah. I know people. We, we are have thinking, a ruling on that violation. There was no violation. <laughs> yeah. What I didn't violation? Any violation. <laughs> you can use five wheels. It's all right. It's good. <laughs> I I want to see how this is going to settle out. I mean, it's you know, it's almost like uh, the New England Patriots buying the National Football League. Yeah. At what happens here? So it's I mean, again, it, you're talking an iconic name with Penske, uh, and it's at, which is good. But I just wonder what happens here. So uh, we don't do a lot of racing. I'm going to call Roger Penske. I want to get him on the show. Well, hmm. I would love that. I, I no kidding. <laughs> Heck yeah! All right. And we had George Steinbrenner. Grandson, yeah. yeah, the third on the podcast recently. He he has an IndyCar team. Right. He was talking a lot about you know attracting young viewers using new technology, new media to, to make that happen. We'll be curious to see if if Penske is is the right steward to kind of inter, to introduce a lot of those ideas to to the racing series. By the way, later this week we'll talk about the new. New York Marathon and the challenge that was offered to me. Oh. I, I, birdies are whispering to me. I think I know the answer. Okay, coward. Right. <laughs> I'm not. Oh, was that a tip? Was that a tip off? Sorry. Oh man. Was that was that a tip off? This is the Bloomberg business of sports cat. Oh my god, you make me so mad. I'm bobbling words. This is the Bloomberg business of sports podcast. I'm Michael Barr along with Scott Soschnick and Evan Ovi. Just, just say your name. You're laughing at. <laughs> Evan and I are here every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Barr. His Maybe. brain sporadically show up. We explore the world of money and sports. Join us again at the end of the week when we speak with Hugh Weber, president of Harris Blitzer Sports and Entertainment. You know, that's the group that you. owns the Devils, the 76ers, yes. Dignitas, Prudential Palace, Palace, the Prudential Center. We love you. Lots to talk about with you. All right, that call me down now. You're listening to Bloomberg <laughs> Business of Sports on Bloomberg Radio, around the world and online, wherever you get your podcasts.